Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here. Just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly. That's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi Nick. Are you bored of drinking big fat shots of director's bitter and ladyboy chasers at home? Tom, I ruddy bloody am. I'm hopping mad and just want some exciting craft beers to enjoy when I'm watching my Bond videos. That's not too much to ask, is it? Well, have I got some good news for you. The fantastic chaps at Beer 52 have given us a special offer they'd like us to share with our listeners. Can I just shock you? I, I like special offers. Do, do tell me more. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash monkey tennis... Cover the postage cost of £5.95 and you'll be sent a box of eight cracking craft beers plus a magazine and two beer-appropriate snacks. Wow, that is a real breath of fresh air. So you're telling me to get a free case of eight unique craft beers from Beer52, I just need to go to beer52.com forward slash monkey tennis and cover the postage costs of £5.95? Yep, it's literally that simple. It really is lovely stuff. Oh, sometimes you want to say, soddle this wine, just give me eight craft beers. And I've really got to say this, Nick, Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Mm. Yep, each month members are sent a case with a different theme. Past themes have included Belgium, Korea, California, New Zealand and many more. But what if I don't like dark beers? Ah, they've got that covered too. If you don't like dark beer, you can choose the light beer option. And you can pause or cancel at any time. Simply go to beer52.com forward slash monkey tennis and just pay £5.95 postage to get all this now. Crash bang wallop, what an offer. Eight free beers, a magazine and two snacks for less than £6 postage. Mine's not a pint, mine's a box of eight craft beers. I'll drink to that. (laughs) 
Welcome everyone to a new series of Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge Fan Podcast. And it's a slightly different series this time, as we celebrate 30 years of Alan Gordon Partridge. And we thought, what better way to celebrate than with a few fops on the podcast. So each week, you're going to hear two of us from the podcast speaking to a special guest about their love of Alan, how they came to the show, their favourite characters, and everything in between. We're going to kick off today's show uh, with Josh Berry. Uh, you've probably seen his videos on social media across the last year, uh, especially the Conservative Party advisor, Rafe Hubris. You will also no doubt be aware of his work uh, on Dead Ringers and The Now Show. You can contact us. You can email us at thepartridgepod at gmail.com, facebook.com forward slash thepartridgepod. Twitter, we are at thepartridgepod. Instagram, it's at Monkey Tennis Pod. Adam is manning the Monkey Tennis Hotline 24-7. He is ready for your call, so please do call Adam. Please call Adam on 07923-600-017. Your calls really make his day. Or you can shout us all uh, a coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash Monkey Tennis. And of course, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. So without further ado, I'm going to hand over to Tom Dark and Tom Stab to hear their chat with Josh Berry about all things Alan Partridge. Enjoy. I am hopping mad and I want something in the middle. Aha! Yup, absolutely. Yup, 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 absolutely. Monkey tennis? Bring, bring. There's a new chat in town. I had the last laugh. Done! Monkey tennis? A little pierce my foot on his spine. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. Oh. Monkey tennis? Radical, awesome, mega. <laughs> Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. Okay. Monkey tennis? Edmonds is a total wazard of a guy. Yes, 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 and yes. It's hotter in the sun. I said, who the hell is that? <laughs> this is great banter. Yeah. Back of the net. Monkey tennis? The people who enjoy Alan Partridge will enjoy this podcast. The people who've never got it still won't get it. It's the true host of the podcast, Tom Stab here, and I'm also joined by Tom Dark. Hello. And our very special guest. He's an impressionist, satirist, comedian, writer and internet sensation. And he hasn't paid me to say that. He's been described by Steve Coogan's eater in crime, Rob Brydon, as a remarkable talent. And John Colshaw as absolutely superb. It's Josh Berry. Hello, Josh. How are you? Aha! I mean, you might as well get in from the beginning. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, there we go. The first thing I listed you as is is as an impressionist. So, uh... Yeah, yeah, well done. Very good. You, you I hope that, that was box. good. That was not. It's not the hardest impression, you know. Given given those quotes that um, that I just sort of read out are are predominantly from famed impressionists. Is that kind of how you see yourself? Mm. Would you? How would you describe yourself as a performer? Yeah, I, I don't think I would anymore. I, I certainly did when I started. Um, maybe a bit like Steve Coogan. Uh, in a, a much less talented Steve Coogan. I, yeah, sort of started doing impressions and then I kind of moved on to doing sort of stand-up and then characters and, and more voices. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't really consider myself as uh, just as purely an, an impressionist just because I, I just have a bit more fun doing the character stuff. But I certainly do them. I do impressions. That's, that's probably the distinction I draw, you know? <laughs> well, we, we were going to ask, actually, because uh, in your kind of credits list, you've obviously... Um done impression work on Radio 4, so yeah. things like The Now Show and Dead Ringers, I believe. So when you've been on those shows, who have you impersonated? What voices <laughs> would I have heard you doing? Uh, well, I did Jacob Reese mogg back in 2018, sort of, you know, sounding like that and saying Nano an awful lot. Um, <laughs> who else did I do? I'm trying to remember. I think, 
I think I did Ian Sterling from Love Island because that was sort of around <laughs> that time, mate. Sort of like, you know, like summer. Uh, I did Andy Murray as well, I think. But then on the Now show, it's just kind of, it was, you know, well, Boris Johnson, and doing that, um, you know, for, for, for however long. Before we get into the Partridge stuff, a little bit of sort of background and, and, and scene setting sort of thing. I guess the first thing to sort of touch on is is the viral videos, certainly within the last year or so, um, particularly with with our with our friend from the Conservative Party, uh, Rafe Hubris. Now, obviously, that has just kind of exploded in the last year or so. Um, was that something that you kind of had? Of, the, there's only so much you can plan these sorts of things. And sometimes, you know, mm. the success is down to circumstance and et cetera, et cetera, you know, like mm. a global pandemic. But ha- mm. how long had you been working on that character? How long had you been sort of developing these internet characters before they sort of really struck a chord? I mean, t- to be honest, the first time I did Rafe was the first time I maybe thought about doing a character like that. And for people who haven't seen Rafe is... Ray Hubris is, yeah, the, uh, the uh, parody advisor to the Conservative Party who's incredibly arrogant, complacent and, uh, you know, self-satisfied, full of Oxbridge confidence without maybe the intellect or certainly the, um, <laughs> the I don't know, yeah, the hard work to, 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 to justify that level of, of hubris, hence the name hubris. Um, I did a lot of stuff taking the piss out of posh people uh, of which I am certainly one. I, I, I uh, you know, I can't deny that fact. Um, but, but, and then I sort of saw a lot of stuff. It, it came from I saw during the twenty nineteen election, Michael Gove. Um, he had Stormzy had said something about Boris Johnson, I think, and Michael Gove tweeted back at, at, at Stormzy his own lyrics. And I just remember thinking, what an unbelievably tone-deaf thing to do. Who on earth would advise him to do something so moronic? And I sort of, and I thought, oh, that would be funny, the idea of someone being like, oh, Govey, yeah, 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 no, it'll really appeal to the man, Dem. do that. That's that's a great movie. Yeah, see you in the <laughs> number 10 toilets for a line, classic. You know, and, and, it, and it literally just came from there. But, but, you know, I've spent so much time in my life meeting, you know, it's a, a bit like Partridge in this sense. There are hundreds of Rafe Hubrises in the, if you ever walk down Clapham High Street or the King's Road, there's an unbelievable number of self-satisfied men in Ralph Lauren top saying, me, you know, I'm, I'm actually like fucking great. Um, <laughs> and so it just, it, 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 I realized it was sort of like a way to bleed in all of that stuff and all of, and, you know, even if you didn't like politics, if you if if you're one of those people or you or you know people like that, then I think it had some some resonance. Um, but no, to, to respond to your question, I didn't really plan it. I just sort of threw it out. And also, like you know, a lot of a lot of it is you know, quite very well, not very left, but left leaning liberal satire. And it, and it sure. came from me feeling frustrated and annoyed at. Uh, what I perceive to be weak government decisions. That, that, that's good for a bit of sort of uh, scene setting, but you know, yeah. let's start talking about what we're here to talk about. Let's what... talk about Alan. Let's talk about Alan. So I think really, Josh, the place to start is actually where did Alan start with you? When did you first become what we would say, uh, perhaps when did you first become Alan aware? Uh, can you remember what series <laughs> would have been your entry point? Uh, perhaps what your first memory of witnessing Alan Partridge on screen may have been. Do you, do you, could you pinpoint any memories? No, I, so a mate of mine sat me down and made me watch Scissored Isle uh, for, for the first time. 
in I got I can't remember it would have been sort of yeah really around the time when I first started doing comedy so maybe 2018 and oh my god I think that's one of the best pieces of comedy I've ever seen I just think it's so phenomenally tight it's so cleverly done it's so subtly excellently performed and it just flies by the 45 minutes you know I'm sure you guys find this you're watching comedy it's it's even if you're enjoying it you sort of uh, you're looking a bit at the clock and how long's it got to go even if you like it but not with that at all it's like a it was like a religious experience it just took <laughs> me out of you know the sense of time and it's great See, I, I guess you must have had some awareness of Alan Partridge as a character yeah. before then, but that yeah, was that the first time you actually sat down and watched a, an actual full program that he was in. I think, yeah, I think it yeah. probably it probably was. I think I'd seen bits of Mid Morning Matters, but it wasn't until then that I sort of, you know, I, I, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because sometimes you might be shown because the, the thing about him is that he's so clever and and brilliantly constructed. That as a as a younger person, I probably wouldn't have fully appreciated the, the the genius. And then I think I kind of got to that stage, sat down, properly watched it, and was like, "Oh my god, this is so this is so clever. There's so much texture here," you know. But were you? So was it, is it kind of? It was it kind of similar to you know when you discover a new band or something, but they're in their sort of fifth or sixth album, and you're yeah. like, "I love this," and then you're like, "Oh, I've got this whole back catalogue to delve into," and then you immediately go and start listening, or in this case, watching. The early mm. stuff and, and 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 working your way up to the point that was your entry is that what happened? Yeah, I'd, I'd say it was it was very similar to when I first watched Bo Burnham. It was a similar experience, and I just kind of went back through all of his work. And I, but I was also very aware of the day to day around that time. And I've written a sort of satirically, <laughs> yeah, use that term advisedly, <laughs> uh, satirical show built around impressions. I was going to uh, say, your, your, your fake news podcast, yeah. I thought, reminded me quite a lot of the day-to-day. -day. Right. I feel like there's so, a bit of a lineage there. Yeah, absolutely. It was very kind of inspired by that ridiculing stuff, coming up with ridiculous stories. And I, I, kind of in the third series, it became a bit more about um, using ridiculous stories as metaphors for the state of the UK, mm. whereas obviously the day-to-day -day isn't really about that as much. But that, but it's certainly, yes, the, the embryo was was very much from the inspiration of that. But I, yeah, I used to love him in that, even though he's not a totally developed character in that. But I just remember watching that and just thinking, oh, it's so cool. It's something that's so um, textured and developed came from, you know, just saying nonsense things over over sport sport images. <laughs> that's really that's really interesting having th those two things kind of anchoring like your entry point because you've basically got the Gibbons era because I think uh, Scissor would have been twenty sixteen. Yeah. And mm. the day to day which was what, nineteen ninety two, three. Yeah, people it was two. I think it was ninety two. Yeah. yeah. And I, I guess that they you know that there's such a wealth of kind of character development between those two. Mm. So that must have been mm. quite a kind of interesting thing, because I think for someone like myself or, or, or Tom, like, you know, we've grown up with Alan being a character kind of in the background of mm. British comedy since since the 90s. It's kind of he's never mm. fully gone away. So that is, that mm. is really interesting. The other thing I, I find quite yeah. interesting here is that, Josh, is, you're saying that your sort of your entry point for Alan was Scissor Dial, and you hold, obviously mm. hold that in such re reverence and, 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 and mm. high regard. And it's been quite mm. interesting from doing the podcast that there seems to be generations of Alan fans whose favourite Alan or, or uh, the one that they like the most tends to be their entry point. So, you know, we've, yeah. we've, we've, we've covered uh, Knowing Me, Knowing You, the radio show. And for a lot of people 
on our Twitter and our socials, they're like, that's my favourite Alan. That's my entry point. That was when I was a student or whatever. And it mm. was, and, and for Tom, who's a, a two or three years older than me, his entry point, the one that he holds in high regard, is, is I'm Alan Partridge Series 1. I'm Alan yeah. Partridge Series 2. And then you have someone like yourself who's a bit younger than us. The entry point yeah. and the revenants you hold is is Scissor Dial. So there's, there's yeah. very much generations and eras of Alan that people just seem to really hold the their entry point as the, the thing that they go back to the most or the thing that they, they like the most. Yeah. The nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, degree, the nostal- sure, nostalgia yeah. thing. Like, you know, in 10 years' time, you'll look back on... T- uh, on this time etc and go no it was still Cisadal was, was, is, yeah. is the one for me like Doctor Who I guess that's what everyone yeah. says yeah, right yeah, yeah. it's like you're, whoever <laughs> your doctor like for me mm. probably always Christopher Eccleston because that was the but um, not I'm not one of those adults who likes Doctor Who though. I'm not a, <laughs> not a loser uh, no but I, yeah I just remember I went to I've been to the Fringe uh, in the summer of that year and I saw a guy called Tom Neenan who's an excellent writer and does lots of stuff at the mash report and all, all kinds of stuff. Oh yeah. Um, and he had a show called it's always infinity. And he played this amazing, uh, sort of parody of a virtue signaling feminist, uh, that was sort of himself. And it was about his journey to find his girlfriend. It was all very pretentious and deliberately so, and really excellently written. And I remember, um, watching that and just thinking, Oh, I love that. I love the idea that you can make a joke that's funny because it's from someone's perspective that we all recognize is a bit kind of, exaggerated and I and having watched Partridge after that I, that just sort of felt like such a wonderful extension of that premise and I found that so exciting just the idea that you know there's that bit in Scissor Dial where he's talking about David Cameron giving um big breaks to big businesses or tax cuts to big businesses mm. and I'm just like that's so funny that yes Partridge would think that's a wonderful thing but clearly Coogan is like this is a terrible thing <laughs> and it was actually kind of that sort of idea that definitely helped form the idea of Rafe the idea of like ironically praising something that you think is not good um and yeah I just I just sort of found it so so exciting I just thought it was so rich and, and interesting I think we, we've talked about that quite a lot on the podcast that essentially we we often call it something like alan yes coogan no is exactly that thing where <laughs> you know that they're kind yeah. of in diametric opposition and in fact that's i think the phrase that steve coogan has used, been using a lot in press recently that he kind of now has the opportunity to get viewpoints through using alan as like a trojan horse type thing so i think mm. you've got this i think they used to be kind of as characters in direct opposition to each other. And I think perhaps mm. now that you're getting to a point where Steve Coogan's viewpoints about certain things in society, which might be a bit too scandalous is maybe too grand a term, but might be a bit mm. too scandalous mm. to say, he can mm. say them through the character of Alan. So I think you've got a really interesting kind of yes. blurring of what those distinctions are, the longer the character exists for probably. Absolutely. Hasn't he said in an interview though, he's like, well, I am, I am Partridge. He is me, right? I've, 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 someone. He does kind of say that now. Yeah, they're kind yeah. of blurring into one. Yeah, but that, but that's the thing. I think, um, you know, I think any, as someone who does characters, I can definitely say like that they're, they're often like big chunks of borrowed from certainly elements of yourself, uh, and so yeah, I, I can really see that that's true. Is that the interesting thing? I guess is guessing what the person actually thinks <laughs> like which what are the bits that coogan actually believes yeah. uh, like because I, mean, I mean i imagine coogan does have like a cleaner right so like all the stuff in the host house which 
just amazing yeah about about the cleaner that's I, that's almost certainly from coogan's like interaction with a cleaner and thinking oh this would be funny wouldn't it or you know what would be good here and kind of like ramping things up to an extreme yeah probably. exactly but i think that's what it all is it's just like taking small aspects of of your life and being like well would would this be funny if this was sort of changed and subtly or, or ramped up here or, or, or whatever. And then you end up with, you end up with a really authentic character, which is obviously what Partridge is. I mean, that's, that's the wonderful thing. I think he is just like all men of a certain age, right? There's, there's oh, such a, there's so, there's so many things that you see in like your dad and stuff like that. In yeah, like, exactly. That's exactly what my dad or what my uncle would say. Yeah. Men of, <laughs> men of a certain generation. I think one of the points you made on the podcast recently was that um, when he does his accidental Jimmy Savile impressions, um, oh, we said that so you know good. we said that that's sort of like muscle memory for a generation of men who mm. like they slip into a Jimmy Savile impersonation because that's what they would have been doing for the last twenty years. They've just got it from muscle memory, so it's just kind of they they don't change. They just stay. Yeah. They just stay that in in that like pocket of when they sort of develop into men. Whatever were their influences, whatever were their kind of you know. Um, who they hung out with and stuff like that just they just maintain all the way through and they you know mm. a certain generation of men will still do jimmy savile impressions <laughs> <laughs> oh man I, I had a bit where i i did i used to do that on stage and just is it cut uh, now yeah well, well yeah before before he got bloody cancelled <laughs> he was always he was always creepy wasn't he um but I, that particular bit in what's that in episode four of this series yeah, just I, gone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, certainly the second series of, of this time, yeah. Well, I yeah. think there's there, I think there's a Savile moment in the first series and the second series. Like, yeah, there is <laughs> when he does a... Uh, oh, no. Uh, oh, no, sorry, no. <laughs> that's in... Uh, it's Mid-Morning Matters, isn't it? Ah. Uh, it's a Mid-Morning right. Matters moment. Oh, that's great. So he, if you, he does that a lot in the trip, doesn't he, as well? I mean, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, of you know, that, that's the that's the best gig in the world, isn't it, for Coogan and Bride and go to all these amazing places, eat this amazing food and just do impressions for a couple of weeks. Sounds great. Yeah, yeah, they and but they do it very well. I think it, it, it requires the sort of comic um, foundations that they have to do it because the, some people you put in that instance and it wouldn't be as funny, right? Like that, I think the way they improvise and mm. when he's doing all the voice, when Bryden's doing all the voiceovers, it's just like amazing when he's doing the, um, you know, he's like, when you're saying something like, see install for details. Yeah. And, and it sort of does, <laughs> goes through all the different types of like, you know, terms and conditions may apply. And I, I, I just, I love it. I love the way that they can just flip into it just straight yeah. away. It's, it's amazing. So have you got um, any sort of uh, personal Alan, Alan anecdotes or anecdotes or, or real partridge life, you know, real life moments, accidental partridges, things like that? Have you ever drunk a ladyboy <laughs> chaser? <laughs> uh certainly haven't done that yet uh I, we did it on I, the podcast i would not recommend it at all really what is what what, what is it again i forget i forget the exact ingredients it's a pint of lager gin and tonic and a small baileys is that right oh, i think that's right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and but i think really, this is kind of what it's horrible. what we're talking about is um the, the kind of the the era at which you discover it and then the kind of influence that alan as a character can have in terms of mm. You know, d- discovering Alan in the midnight. So basically, having having Alan as a character to quote and reference throughout kind of school years into university years, mm. I think then has does have these kind of like wider real life repercussions where you're drinking mm. ladyboys in the pub or you're doing a sports <laughs> casual themed party or like Nick, one of the other hosts on this show, um, he went on a partridge themed 
stag do in Norwich and things like that. And I I wonder (laughs) whether, yeah, I wonder whether I I think the question is kind of have, has anything from the world of Alan crossed over into, into real life for you and anything like that? Or, Or is it just kind of, do you find that you have maybe groups of friends where you'll always end up quoting partridge lines to each other or, or anything like that do you, do you do you find it bleeds into life like that at all or is yeah. that just us <laughs> no no i do i yeah i definitely quote it i quote and analyze it a lot with with my often with friends who are comedians and my, my, my girlfriend really likes it she enjoys she doesn't I, I often will like force her to sit down and be like oh come watch this you love it it's amazing and she'll be like you know it's just won't be interested but partridge she loves and uh yeah i often I often quote. I, I love. I love it when the, the quotes that I love the most are when, and actually, the probably the element of Partridge that I love the most. And I think it's it's a really essential comic component of of great British comedy characters, is that Alan Partridge is doing um, an impression of something that he isn't, right? Which is like a sort of much more, uh, particularly when he's sort of with, with sort of the era of Me Too and stuff. And how uncomfortable he is with the makeup girl in this in this <laughs> particular series. There's a sort of sense that he, he like the constant correction, but you get the sense that there's an overcorrection. And I think that's what's that, that's what I find so amusing. And it's it's very David Brent as well, right? Like David mm-hmm. Brent's trying to come across as more, I don't know, left wing than he is, or more PC or professional than he is. And Partridge is certainly trying to, I think, do the same thing. He's trying to come across as more PC and and neutral. Than he actually is, but but the hilarious thing is where you sort of you actually you know exactly what his perspective on the issues is. Like that, there's that bit where he's like, you know, uh, you'd see a you'd see a woman asking difficult questions, and and a lot of people would say uh, she's nagging, and I say let them, and you just think <laughs> that like that is that is such a wonderful reveal of his perspective on the world, right? So so a lot of a lot of it's that I I love I love um, the hygiene bit in that. You know, the, the, when he's doing the hygiene. So, yeah, hygiene. <laughs> Hi, Gene. Amazing. Uh, the same uh, similar joke with Roger, wasn't there, in, in the last episode of, of Series 2? Uh, Roger, Roger, that. There, there is something in that because it's it's perhaps less imitable if it's Alan hosting a TV show, whereas if it's kind of more bizarre scenarios where... Uh, quite memorable dialogue comes out of it so i think that's the thing i think particularly with i'm alan Bartry series one and two there are just so many classic quotable lines and i think perhaps the way something like this time or mid-morning matters works there's there's a whole kind of layer of subtlety and nuance which maybe wasn't there in the mid-90s because that's had to grow as the characters developed so that suddenly means it's less about him saying jurassic park it's more about him saying, um, yeah, let them have a natter, that that sort of thing, where it doesn't necessarily work as a quote out of context, but in the context of what the other characters in the scene are saying, that's where it's funnier. So it it, it is less about, ooh, ladyboys and shouting Dan and things like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I I think that's, that's what I love about it. It's just that subtlety, the sort of three or four layers of, of, of texture to it that make it so entertaining and uh although there was yeah one of the things that really cracked me up but again this isn't yeah this isn't really a quote i suppose it's not something i quote but it's the bit with cheeky monkey in this series just gone Mm. and um (laughs) and and he's and he's talking about 
he's talking about you know where women can with who are suffering from domestic violence can seek refuge and i just find it so funny that it's all really credible like sensible <laughs> advice about it which because you're just totally yeah. not expecting that to come out yeah uh I, I just thought that was so well constructed and 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 the bit at the end where susanna fielding's like i really hope we didn't trivialize any of the issues which i i just thought that was amazing but yeah no i, I don't really know if it's it, it, it's all the it's all the little things with him, isn't it? It's like in in the chemsex bit where there's chemsex, you know, graffitied on the pavement, and then underneath the Alan Partridge signature. You know, it's it's <laughs> yes. it's that unbelievable strokes of subtlety that I certainly feel like I've I've learned masses from, um, and and it's just so enjoyable to watch for for, for sure. And do you think so? And so we talked a bit about. So you have your uh, your own podcast, uh, Josh Berry's Fake News. There's definitely a touch of of the feel of the day to day about that. But do yeah. you think either Steve Coogan or Alan Partridge as a character have influenced anything more in in your comedy in any way, or you know, is it as simple as being inspired by a very proficient and talented impressionist, or do you think there's anything? Mm anything in a, in a more detailed level that you might have taken away from either being a fan of Partridge or a fan of Coogan over the years? Mm. Well, I think, you know, I think what Coogan does with impression, well, what, you know, in, in starting with impressions, I think that gives you quite a good um, grounding to go on and go on to do characters because, you know, impressions are all about picking out little details, creating caricatures of people. And then from there, you have the sort of analytical skills of observation to go on and and do that so 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 i guess in that sense it's it's been it's been helpful but yeah i mean also in terms of watching alan partridge and just yeah just just the, the the ridiculousness the silliness of it all um and 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 the the ridiculing of his perspective certainly has been helpful for for developing rafe as a character but you know i'd sort of consider rafe is sort of um you know, he's a, he's a generation on, so things are quite different in in many respects. And I I also think sort of the way that Partridge presents, it, it's interesting because it doesn't really present in the same way uh, a generation on. I, you know, I think we're probably all, arguably, in my opinion, quite rightly, a bit more woke now than than he and people of that generation is. And so, and so like overcorrection still exists, but it exists in a in a sort of a slightly different way. But yeah, I think you know just um. Just the language of it, and and the idea that you can make jokes from the perspective of someone who's who's fundamentally a bit of an idiot or a bit of a plonker, um, that was incredibly helpful. Uh, and so so yeah, I mean, he's he's the best reference point character wise, I think, for 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 doing something like Rafe. I mean, because I can't I can't think of anyone in the UK who, who who's there to touch Alan Partridge. You know, I don't think he's. I mean, he's above and away the best comedy character, surely. I mean, I, you're definitely in the right place place to get an agreement. <laughs> well, yeah, sorry, yeah. I mean, obviously, you're going to agree with that on the on the Alan Partridge podcast. But you know, yeah. I mean, surely. I mean, I can't think of. But then, but you know, who's? I mean, who else does comedy characters in the UK? I mean, like, well, Sasha Baron Cohen. But then his his are sort of like slightly different, and arguably they're not as textured. David Brent is surely sort of in in the similar ballpark. But 
But I mean, yeah. you know, there's, there, there is there is no other real character that has endured for, for you know nearly three decades in so mm. many different. I mean, in so many different forms. I mean, one of the points we make on the podcast is that, in some respects, Steve Coogan slash all the writers who have worked on it have been quite lucky in the sense that Alan is a presenter at heart. That's what he does. So mm. naturally, his his job can be kind of retrofitted into lots of different things, podcasting, yes. hosting a TV show, doing a radio show, you know, a chat show, etc. So, you know, in, in that regard, they've, they've kind of been a little bit lucky, but that does not take away from the fact that, you know, even with that, you still have to nail the writing, nail the character development, nail mm. so many things surrounding it. And, I'm 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 struggling. I don't think I can. Put, I mean, you you there might be something that you can think of, but I can't really think of anything where they've missed. Like not everything no. has been ten on ten. Um, sure. Not everything has been you know world world class, but there have been no misses as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Um, but that, that's consistently what I yeah say to my mates, you know, people who do stand up as well and write and stuff, and they all say like it's. That's the best thing about it. It's like even if you don't love an episode as much as another one, they're all great. Mm. Right? They're yeah. all really good. And he's so good at sort of um I just think that it's worked so well. It's worked within like an inch of its life, the 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 comedy. And I don't mean that it's certainly not overworked, but it's just like so excellently crafted that it it, it yeah, you don't see the jokes coming. Um, it's so creative. There's so much amusing failure. There's so much fast. Partridge has become really like the, the physicality is excellent. You know, in the, in this series, like <laughs> the the joke with the cocktail was so excellent, and the timing of that was was just brilliant. Or him talking about jumping up onto a stage, or in the previous series when he's talking about washing your hands without or so yeah. using a toilet without washing your hands. You know, mm. it's, it's just it's it's it's, it's amazing. Um, there's so many components to it that, that and, and and so such a work rate that goes into the show and the writing of it clearly that um yeah i mean I, I can't think of anyone that's really comparable so what are your sort of you know favorite moments scenes series are there any sort of minor characters outside of you know the big ones that everyone kind of knows and loves that um that you you kind of have a fondness for I think uh, in terms of in terms of moments, I mean the 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 checkout bit in Scissor Dial is just always stuck <laughs> with me. I just think that's, that's that so whole three minutes, right? That I even learned, you know, that he's like, this is a supermarket, but it's not just a place to buy cheese, chops, chocks, and cheap chicken, chicory, and chives. I, I loved it so much that I, and then and then even the bit at the start where he's like. He, uh, it just it just shows exactly the class that he comes from because <laughs> he, he meets the guy that is like the manager of the store and he's like and, and, and you own the, you own the shop do you and uh, you know I just I, it's just so great and but the yeah that whole bit is is just amazing I love the idea of him well uh, firstly it's it's really an amusing impression of a checkout lady that he does you know that is just funny. But then you've got the wonderful thing of Partridge thinks it's a good idea to do that. So you've got like this idea of like it's an upper middle class person doing an impression of the working class to appeal to an audience. And there's and there's something that's so wonderful about that, I think, and so subtle. And that's definitely something that I've really like found very helpful, like in in creating like my Bristol Raver character which is supposed to be that. It's supposed to be a posh, you know, ex-public school person pretending to be, uh, you, you know, like a, a, a grime artist or whatever, 
which is just <laughs> riddled with problems and, and, and embarrassment. <laughs> uh, and, and so, 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 yeah. I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> and then, and then the end, of, the end bit where he's clearly just thought to himself, "Oh shit, we'd better do something about how important all these people are." And he like improvises that bit about the trolleyman. Right, and then oh uh, yeah, 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 and he's like for what is a trolleyman, and he he does that whole bit about that, and I just <laughs> and it's that as well that I just thought was so brilliant because it's like that's so obvious, it's so obvious that he's gone oh shit, I haven't got nothing, I need, I haven't got everything I need, and then and then he, you know, just does that, but but none of that's none of that's said, none of that's acknowledged, but it, and yet it is so clear. Um, I just thought that was. Just, just brilliant, brilliant <laughs> writing. I guess there's always uh, a, a good layer of the joke with Alan, particularly Gibbons era Alan, where you have to do a bit of the the legwork yourself in terms of mm. the background of what the production process is like, what the pear tree productions or exactly. pear tree factual productions process is. So that's never on camera. It's never explicitly referred to. But if you're a hardcore fan, you know there's a layer of jokes in terms of some yeah. of the edits might be bad. Some of the voiceovers <laughs> might be OTT. All that sort of stuff. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's so clever, right? Because that's just like you're right. There's that. There's that wonderful thing of having to fill fill it in. And there's that. That's a really nice motif in stand up. You know, when it, when a stand up will do the first half of the joke and then the audience laughs because they filled it in. And yeah. I, I I love that. It makes it more collaborative. I I always feel like. Um, but sorry, yeah, I'm sorry, I will, I will talk about the characters I like, but the, the one other thing that I haven't said that I just love, and I'm sure you guys will agree, is how much more um, camp Partridge has become, I feel like, in the, certainly in the sort of later series. He's, and I think, I, I'm nearly certain that's entirely Richard Madeley. I mean, it, it must be that sort of very, you know, the very sort of catty, <laughs> him doing an impression of a, of a sort of catty, chatty lady. And uh, that bit where he's at the, uh, the, uh, the silent retreat and, uh, and he's like, so do you, you know, do, do you not speak? And he's like, well, I wouldn't be much of a spokesperson if I didn't speak. And he's like, oh, Cassie, all right. <laughs> and I just, I love that. I love that sort of, <laughs> it, it's so funny. The sort of the, the real, yeah, I, don't, I can't really put my finger on why it is, but it's just <laughs> so entertaining. Um, I think yeah. I think you're right. I think there's definitely again it's all about that development because because he it's it's that kind of 30 year gestation period to where we are now. It's I think, you know, when he started in the 90s it was very much supposed to be a John Motson type character. Yes, right. And right, just right. more of a sports reader trying to I I think perhaps the reason why it's he still works as a character so well is because he's always trying to the character is always trying to be what he thinks he needs to be. Yes. So if it's trying to be, <laughs> if you think about something like in Knowing Me, Knowing You, when he's trying to grow a moustache because he thinks he needs to be a, a bloke and things yeah, in yeah, I'm Alan yeah, Partridge yeah. like, are, oh, you know, waking up. He's been drinking all night and he's actually been asleep for 45 But All that sort of stuff, like mm. trying to be, trying to be what he thinks is kind of like a man in, in the 90s. Yes, yes. And whereas yes, yes. now in like 2021, trying to be, what he considers slightly more left, slightly more woke. There's always mm. that inherent struggle about who he is, which is basically not necessarily a nasty person, but a bit of an idiot yes. trying to be somebody to appease broadcasters and other people around him. And I think that's kind of the beauty of it, that that's always yes. an evolution. That's always in flux. Yes. 
and 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 that's where the comedy comes from. It comes from that gap. And you've much more eloquently put what I very humming and ahringly, Hugh Grantingly uh, tried to say earlier on. Uh, you know, he's very interesting. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, I love him. Um, but you know that yeah, it's exactly that. It's the gap between what they what they're trying to be and what they actually are, yeah. which is the same with, the same with Brent. Um, and yeah, I just think that's so entertaining because he's always right on the verge of failure as well. And there's, I think that's another essential component. There's enough, mm. you know, comedy and failure should go hand in hand, particularly in Britain, I think. I think in America, I'm not sure it's quite the same. They tend to prefer like high status stuff. But Stephen Fry says something excellent about this. He's like the British comic hero would want a, bu- a, a bus to, to run into a puddle and, and soak them. Whereas the American comic comic hero would want to be driving the bus. That's basically the, the sort of fundamental distinction between, which I thought was a really, uh, you know, yeah, every time oh, we're putting it. Um, and Partridge has that excellent degree of, of failure, you know, all the time, uh, which I think is so important. It'd be interesting to get your take on, uh, as someone who is, like I said, slightly younger than us and that, whose entry point was, was, was Scissor Dial, having gone back and watched earlier Partridge, what you think... And what your thoughts are on current partridge versus uh, par- current partridge versus uh, versus past partridge, and what you think the sort of Gibbons brothers, how their writing is is different compared to to, to um, the nineties Alan, and and what, how do you think he's developed, and, and what are the good things, and what are the maybe not so good things that you don't like as much? Yeah, I, I well, I just love the, the the how much like we've sort of been been saying how much comedy comes from from botched bits and um, stuff that isn't said and awkward performance. And, you know, particularly in the Oast House, actually, he, he he does this thing where sometimes they get to the end of a sentence and go a bit like that. And, you know, he's like <laughs> yeah. sort of developed the voice so that the voice has more comedy. And I, you know, I, I wouldn't, I certainly prefer the more modern stuff, I have to say. Uh, just because I think I see, I just see more, so much more development in the character, and it's not that the previous stuff isn't mm. good, and the format's really funny, and and you know it's a wonderful like failure, you know so, so often, so often on knowing me, knowing you, it's just an excellent show goes wrong type type format. But I, but I, I, I feel mm. like with this, there's um, there's just so much more to chew on, and that's what interests and excites me. I, I I feel like I'm at a place with Rafe at the moment where it's like he's still quite new and early, and I feel like there's a lot more interesting stuff that I could do, but it that takes a lot of time, and so I kind of feel like real um, like a desire to emulate later Partridge for that reason because it is such mm. a subtle and complicated character. So you're saying you've Rafe got a 30-year bit... arc planned for Rafe? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure he could. I was think he'd be pretty good on Good Morning. What, what's the, what's the new what's the new Piers Morgan? Oh, thing? GB News. Quite, yeah, GB yeah. News, or maybe a slot on LBC. He'd be quite good <laughs> doing that. I think that'd be quite funny. Imagine if in 30 years you're doing Rafe and he's PM. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. I think you've got to. He's got to. He's got to ascend gradually up the Conservative Party. I think yeah, that's yeah. Uh, important. But, um, Failing upwards. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And as, as most <laughs> politicians tend to. Um, but yeah, I, I think. I think there's a. I would say. I would say the latest stuff because I just. Yeah, I, I'm particularly from the Oast House as well. I mean, that I just thought that was just unerringly excellent. I mean, that was, you know, this time is, is great and I'm a huge fan, but just from the Oast House, I just thought was so 
so good. There's so many payoffs. The la- the gag rate is like every 20 seconds almost, I, I remember thinking. Um, yeah, so so I would say, I mean, I, 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 I do prefer the later the later stuff but but you know it's all it's all great but yeah it's, it's fascinating that he just came from you're right John Motson or Coogan just just coming up with a voice you know being oh can you do a sort of a sports commentator and then being like oh well they all sort of sound a bit like that and then suddenly that was that was that was born yeah I think that's kind it's of the, the infamous story isn't it that I think he did that voice and then somebody in the room said that guy's definitely called Alan Partridge and I think Richard Herring mm. claims that He's the one that said that. But yes, whether, he did. Whether that's true, we I think we'll never know for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think it was as simple as that. It's like the voice gave gave birth to the name, which gave birth yes. to a fuller character in essence. Yeah. Oh, to to be to be in that writing room when they were coming up with all these character traits for this guy mm. that they're just kind of imagining and sort of like building a world around him, sort of in in a room over. a I don't know however how, what period of time must have been incredible mm, to be in mm, that room mm. with those with those comedic minds. Yeah. I always feel like you know it, it must be amazing to be in the room when certain bands write certain albums. I'm like way more excited about like what it was like in that writing room for the early days of Partridge. Yeah, absolutely. But, that, but you know this is why um, the stuff I was saying about you know d- doing the impressions could, because because he has that vocal like you know that real sort of prodigious vocal talent. Um, well, he's old now, so he can't be a prodigy anymore. But you know, <laughs> virtuoso <laughs> comic talent, yep, yep. Uh, impression talent. Um, it, you know that that allows. Uh, Stuart Lee said this. He was like, it just allows you to create an entire backstory just from the voice. You hear the voice, and you're like, oh god, yeah, I know exactly how this person's breath smells. I know what they do on the weekends. You know, <laughs> I know what they like to eat, or whatever. And and I think that's been my entry point for creating characters. It's oh, okay, this voice, I recognise this voice from something, and then you build it from there. And I feel like that's how Partridge was was created. I think it's a really good way to do it. I think um, there's def- there's definitely a lot of credence for that because I think um, they, they've talked about, you know, he has to have the right socks on when he's being Alan. You know, it, mm. it's down to that level of detail to kind of inhabit the character. And I think because it is such a well-rounded character where you know he styles his hair like this, he wears those sort of socks, he wears these sorts of suits or jumpers or whatever yeah that that's all built in definitely mm. yeah there's actually a there's actually a, a clip from behind the scenes of mid-morning matters i don't know which series where steve coogan puts his feet up on the desk and he he says actually can we get wardrobe in here i need to change these socks alan wouldn't yeah. wear these socks so it's that so level it's that painstaking yeah. level like no one is going to see them like his feet aren't up on the desk in the scene I know, but but he has to have those socks on because of the attention to detail but that, and it's just oh, but, the, but the best comedy you know is 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 that it's that unbelievable, you know, like like him putting his signature by chemsex or him yeah. driving a Vauxhall or or you know whatever. It's it, even down to his belt, his belt in the last episode. The whole outfit is just you know it's perfect, and I, I, that for me is the comedy that I just have so much respect for. I mean, sorry if this is blasphemous, but in in Bo Burnham's recent special, he has he has a whole bit where he's he's doing a a, a song and there's a bit where he shows a whiteboard that has about maybe 15 jokes on it and the whiteboard is on the screen for yeah. two seconds yeah and and, and, and oh i went same. back and paused it and read yeah the whole yeah thing. no me too yeah <laughs> it's just amazing absolutely and 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 for me partridge has the similar level of work rate and i just have so much respect for that because he clearly coogan clearly cares enormously and that's certainly the um the, uh, the what, what's said about him he cares enormously about the end product and you know the end product is obviously testament to to that he's 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 amazing 
I have a story about him, actually. I haven't told you about this. It's not very exciting, Ooh. but I was once in... <laughs> so I just, just lower your expectations. Well, we are excited now, so let, let's see. Let's <laughs> yeah, see how it goes. About that. Go for I it. I once <laughs> opened a toilet door for Steve Coogan at the Edinburgh Fringe. Yes. Oh, yeah. He didn't say thank you. Uh, <laughs> so, which is fine. Although I did have to really fight the urge. I had to really fight the urge not to go, you go careful, I'm going to help parking. <laughs> so, but I didn't. I didn't do that. I really, I really wanted to be like that's forty four eighty love. We take your time, take your time. Um, I do um, wonder. I do wonder for him. Like how, he he's mentioned in interviews in the past that you know he likes it when the man in the street comes up and says, "I think what you're doing is great." Yeah. But then there's a line between someone saying that I really like your comedy, I think you're great, and someone shouting Dan at them, <laughs> and it's 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 kind of you know that's that's <laughs> there are two sides of it where you know when you get to that level of fame and that level of sort yeah. of cut through in terms of of society and 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 and, and comedy with with within in you know certain generations mm. that must be again it's kind of you know I, I put it take it back to the band analogy when you're at a gig and you know people just want to go for the people want to go for the hits mm. that's not interesting for the person on stage yes. they want to play the new stuff that they've been working on and i think the the, the lucky thing obviously well not lucky thing but the, the good thing for steve and, and and partridge is that that new material that those new songs are as good, if not better, yeah. sometimes than the old stuff. Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's, it, it, you know, it, it would be, you know, again, we've made this point on the podcast, it would have been so easy for them to just phone this in and just do quotes, uh, just do them sort of rehashing the Jurassic Parks and things like that. And it's, it's they're cleverer than that. They're better than that. And it's mm. the proof, the proof is in what we see on screen. So it's, it's in, like I say, it's interesting to hear sort of someone slightly younger than us to say about how, it influences them and and what mm. they see in the character are the same things that we kind of pick up on as well. Yeah, but it's just a it's just a work rate. It's like there's no yeah. Don't bother doing something if you don't give everything to it. It's all right if it fails, but like just just be ambitious, you know. And I think he he definitely is, and I and that's that's a yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant thing. That was funny though, shouting down at someone. I, yeah, I can understand why that annoys him. Although. When people shout Rafe's <laughs> when people shout Rafe's catchphrase at me, I really enjoy it. And they say, Oh, how are we? Oh, do you get do you get what do you get? I don't know how, how are we? Yeah, very well. But I love it. I love that. <laughs> Whereas actually I really don't like it when they ask me about me. Because I've had that as well, and they'll be like, Oh, so well, you the guy. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, yeah, I guess. And then and then they'll be like, Oh, how'd you come up with it? And I just and then I don't really know what to say. So I just try to say something funny like, Oh, well, you know, when you had a uh, as, as sad a childhood as I did, you'll uh, you'll find anything, you'll do anything for people's <laughs> affirmation, and and then I, I've said that to people, and they just sort of look at me blankly as if I've dribbled on their <laughs> shoe or something. So I, I, to be honest, I much prefer there's a, there's a degree of anonymity when you do it in character, but I can also yeah. understand why Coogan would get pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> he owns it now. He's got past the difficult stage of people, you know, shouting catchphrases at him. And now he's kind of come full mm. circle and gone, mm. you know what, this is a great thing. Whereas maybe 15, 20 years ago, 10 or so years into the creation of Alan, it might have really pissed him off. But um, I think he's a bit more mellow, much like sort of uh, uh, mm. Alan has has sort of grown and developed. So has Steve. Do you think so? That's interesting. Do you think his um, his like, political beliefs and stuff have sort of mellowed and and chilled out because he did all that stuff we talking about alan or so steve still, well, well i don't know i mean uh, certainly steve I, d I think alan yeah i don't really know i don't know if alan's have chilled out but i wonder if steve because you know he obviously had all the, the hacked off stuff and then yeah i don't mm. really know but then in, in the trip he always seems quite um he seems quite sort of fervent in his beliefs and very kind of set mm. in what he mm. what he thinks it's difficult to know it yeah i don't know 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So back, uh, back, back to um, this time. How, uh, you know, uh, uh, on the podcast, we've been very, you know, sort of positive about both mm. series. Um, how have they compared to you? Just taking those in isolation, how, uh, your opinions on, on series one versus series two? You know, I think they're both. I think they're both great, actually. I think I was. I don't know whether. Yeah, no, I was a bit worried. I was like, "Oh, is 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 series two going to be as good as series one?" Because I thought series one was so awesome. Mm. But no, I mean, I think uh, he's just. I just thought it was so consistently excellent. The bit with the poem as well in episode three of the BBC. Yeah, oh, that was just. Yeah. It was just phenomenal. No, I mean, I think that I think they're both of a really high quality, and I think they were absolutely right to bring back the premise for another series because there's there's a lot to mock in that sort of one one show format, and it's really nice to see. You know, it's just so cool to see like the BBC establishment get mocked on an establishment channel at a really mainstream yeah. time. Right? It's amazing, um, and we need that. Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I've said that a lot when we've been covering this current series i think it's incredibly bold of the bbc to in essence mm. allow themselves to be mocked on bbc one like that i think that's that's kind of it's a bold decision by them but i think that's really allowed the writing to be as strong as it can be because yes. they've clearly not had to be uh, excessively censored by the bbc allow, allowing them to do the show which i think is great mm-hmm. and also like you know we're, 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 we're <laughs> the problem is we talk a lot about satirical shows and satirical, satirical shows being cancelled and obviously the match report was cancelled but like that is this is a satirical show on a on a prime time you know uh channel and and i think like that you know we should we should value it for what it is which is which is a real piss take mm. of the establishment and i think that's such an excellent thing and i think that's what comedy is all about you know well obviously it's not what it's all about but a very big chunk of it should be about taking the piss out of the received narrative that, that we get from shows like the one show or, or the news or whatever. Um, yeah. And I, and I guess maybe the, the targets for, for Partridge have changed over the years, because I think 
it was perhaps more about mocking NAF presenters in the 90s. Mm. And mm. now mm. it's more about mocking the mechanisms around it, in a way. Mm. The actual show, the show itself is, is, is the subject of the mockery instead of, well, I guess the people are also part of that. So it's wider. Yeah, well, that, well that's, why, that's why I love the, the later stuff, because I feel like that, yeah, there are, there are sort of three or four things that he's drawing our attention to, um, which, is, which is so great. And also, you know, as anyone who's sort of done work for the BBC or at the BBC, it's particularly enjoyable because you sort of, you, you get a sense, that, you know, that it is a bit like that in, in many ways. That's why W1A is so funny. I mean, that's basically a real-life documentary. Having spent some time (laughs) not working for the BBC, but just doing meetings at various BBC buildings, I I can even attest to how how true to life some of those things are. Yeah, it's amazing. It's just a a wonderful... But, you know, more excellent work from the BBC for putting that on. You know, people love slagging Mm. it off, but... I've seen Coogan in interviews said that, you know, I, I, I think he's right. It is a wonderful thing, like the NHS. Like, it's it, two things that we should feel yeah. very proud of to be British. And, you know, I think it can be very easy to feel, uh, to struggle for things to feel proud proud to be British for. But I think those two things really, we really ought to feel proud of and really ought to value. And I think he does. And you get that sense in, 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 the, in the show that he's, he loves the BBC. And I think that's a, that's a nice thing. Well, that's too. what we said. We said about that poem. We actually said that was a Coogan yes, Alan yes. That's like their, mm, their, their views mm. have diverged at that point, And it's at that point, they're kind of unified. Um, so I was going to jump in with some controversial questions here. Are there any parts of the APU that you haven't seen? Any eras, any, any Alan output that you haven't watched or read or heard? Have you got any gaps in your APU knowledge? I, um, I'm sort of aware of all of it, but I haven't necessarily sat down and watched all of it. Or I, I haven't read uh, I, Alan, when he's talking about Partridge. Uh, but it is certainly on my list. I would, I would very much enjoy that. I, d- I think it's how long is that? I think it's quite long, isn't it? Um, always. Well, I can tell you the audio book is six hours long. Oh, okay. Well, that's not. That's probably not that long. I would. Re- I would. Re- I would. As 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 someone who has done both, and I think Tom will will, will back me up on this. Do the audio book yes. rather than read it. 100%. Yes. Uh, yeah. So that so was the the Oast House. Maybe he learned that lesson and doing the Oast House because he could have just written the Oast House, right? But. Um, mm. It just makes more yeah, but then sense. Amazon paid them a load of money, so that's that's what yeah, happened yeah. There. I'm sure there was some... as opposed to a publisher. Yes, right. Um, so I suppose you double up, don't you? you <laughs> so I think we could definitely recommend. So, so I Partridge, I think, is collectively probably one of our favourite pieces of the APU. I think that's definitely yes. great. That's definitely wow. definitely top tier. Um, the next controversial question is: hmm. Has there been an iteration or an era of Alan that you actively haven't liked, or do you think it's all hit every time? I think it's all here. I mean, I view, but I also sort of view myself as a as someone who enjoys the evolution of the character, you know, and I've I've enjoyed seeing it grow. So I think that Alan now is more sophisticated and, and therefore interesting and amusing. But I wouldn't look at earlier Alan and be like, because it's still great, you know. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's worse or I, I well I don't I don't think it's as good, but I still think it's excellent. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I love it all. For, for you, all, what man. what medium do you think suits best? Do you, do you think it has been interesting? Do you think it's been that like the documentaries as opposed to the chat shows, as opposed to the sitcoms? Mm. Like, what for you? What what is the best partridge medium? Well, I, I guess we're we're coming back to the nostalgia point, aren't mm-hmm. we? And uh, you know, I loved the document. I love the spoofing of a documentary format. I love seeing how a voiceover can totally change something in Sizzle Isle. 
uh, and I love seeing that Alan's hand in the production of it all implicitly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there are wonderful benefits to all of them. I, the show format is great because that's a really good way of, um, you know, exposing the, the gap between what he wants to be and what he actually is. So I thought that was a real benefit of, of this time. But I think that the, the joy of Partridge is you're kind of like, oh, OK, well, how's he going to fit into this format? And then he, he finds ways to be so funny in it. And, and, and I, I kind of... I kind of like them all for different reasons. And and as new, as new media formats get created, I look forward to seeing hopefully how he slots into those, you know. Well, actually, yeah. Is is there something that you think he, he should do next? Or is there something to sort of just think flowing naturally on from what you've just mm. said? What is the next thing for Alan to do? Or what would you like to see him do? Where do you think he would work? Yeah, that's a really, that's a really interesting question. Because if he carries on with presenting, I mean, I'd actually quite like to see Partridge in more of a political setting. I know that Mid-Morning Matters is kind of this, but that, that's sort of deliberately frivolous, isn't it? Whereas, uh, you know, when he's doing the radio stuff, but I think <laughs> maybe something on LBC would be quite funny because that type of presenter does have a, a role in that. I, I, I don't know. I, mean, but I, I sort of feel as though he covers this a, little, a fair amount in this time, but it's when he does stuff on, on people's opinions or popularly held ideas or beliefs that I think is really, that I find really amusing. And that seems like quite a good format for that. But I'm, I, yeah, I mean, what what other establishment media is there? Because he's not going to go and do Twitch, is he? Or, or, or TikTok. Well, you could see him try and do that and fail, but I, I guess it's kind of, you've got limited laughs in that, haven't you? I think you do mm. one piece of that and the joke is done. So, mm. yeah, I mean, mm. we, we've definitely had a few uh, fans get in touch after the back of off the back of uh, this time series two finishing and kind of predicting that he would go some kind of Nigel Farage LBC GB News type mm. route, so it'd be interesting. There's definitely there's an opening to go that way, but again, it's I don't know if that's fully the correct. The no, correct it's reading maybe of, too political. I don't, for I him. don't think it is. I think. I think you get. I think you kind of you're in danger of kind of looping back to sort of older Alan tropes. Yeah. Whereas they've been very clever and very careful to develop the character to come sort of away from that sort of right leaning, where he's a little mm. bit nastier, a little bit arguably a bit more racist, mm. sexist, mm. homophobic, and they've kind of moved away from that. And I think they've been very clever to do that, and they've done it in a way that feels natural. And if he was to go down a sort of shock jock kind of route like a Farage or a, or a Piers Morgan mm. or someone like that it kind of is in danger of looping back around to the beginning and I don't know if that's kind of a, a where they want to uh, go yeah, that's I, a good point. I mean obviously we don't know they'll do they'll, they'll do whatever feels right and and for, for the moment but yeah it, it that doesn't quite sit right with but me he says doesn't he he's like Alan is um there's I think he did an interview with Joe the, the joe.co.uk where he was saying that Alan is like the worst mm. bit of the British establishment he's all of the pomposity but none of the intellect. And I suppose we need to find, which I think is such a brilliant, succinct explanation. And I think we need to, we'd need to find a format that is inherently pompous, which we get so excellently, of course, with his interaction with Princess Anne and his, his fawning over the royals, which I thought was excellent. I thought that was so mm. deft about this absurd sort of, you know, bending over ourselves to, 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 to bow to the royal family. Mm. Yeah, maybe mm. there's something there, uh, but it's 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 difficult, isn't it? I, I also think that I mean the th the cool thing about Scissor Dial was that it was like um, it was a response to 
you know division in Britain, right? A perceived divided Britain. So so I think it, I think partially it might depend on the how we're feeling about stuff in general, you know, mm. in a year's time or whatever. Because like you know, if you're doing comedy now, like you know, we talked about this earlier, but like me doing comedy in the middle of the pandemic versus me doing comedy now, they're two incredibly different things. And mm. yeah, I, I'd argue that we maybe feel a bit more. I don't know. We, I think the pandemic probably did bring us together in some ways. I think we probably did feel a bit more united. So you certainly couldn't have done that. The idea of you know closing the chasm at that point. But yeah, I don't know. I think it, I think it will depend on what happens topically. But you're right. I don't think the political route's yeah. quite that. But it may be something with the royal family. So I don't. I don't know if you've seen the tour announcement video for the Stratagem shows that oh, he's going to do I next have. year. So of course, he, yes. he, in that setup, <laughs> he does talk about um, the United Kingdom being a divided nation. So there's definitely mm. he's definitely leaning into that with whatever that tour is going to transpire to be. But mm. whether that, I just feel like inherently that's going to be more about trying to bring right and left together so again that's him trying Mm. to do what he thinks is the right thing as opposed to what some people predicting him taking a tilt to becoming a fully right-wing leaning character that that's the bit that doesn't Mm. feel quite right so i think there's definitely going to be a continuation of of that theme but i think it's going to be alan trying to kind of straddle both sides of the divide as it were and yes getting that and that's to his that's to his credit as well because i think and i i certainly uh can be accused of falling foul of this i think uh the satire of the right can become or or mockery of the right i yeah let's keep using satire when i slammed the meaning earlier (laughs) Uh, mockery of the right can become a bit samey and boring from a comedic perspective and that's not to suggest that there's not plenty the, the right aren't doing wrong but i think one of the brilliant things about Partridge is that you know exactly what party he votes for, but it's not sort of like let's bash the Tory, which which don't get me wrong is fun and I've done it. Uh, it's <laughs> it's been quite it's worked very well for me. Uh, but but I think sometimes that can become a bit tired, and and the fact that they don't really dip their toe in that water is 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 really good. I think um, because it just allows for that more subtle, less sort of white noise approach to to, to mocking stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, that's really that's really intrigued me where where he's going to go next. Uh, but the tour is going to be great. Do you? Guys, I presume you guys have tickets. Yes, we have uh, lined Steve's pockets. Uh, furthermore, <laughs> for that, yes. Yeah, it's fucking expensive, isn't it? Yeah, I, <laughs> it is. But we have every faith that it will be. Brilliant. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't wait to see this. <laughs> So, Josh, we should probably start uh, wrapping things up because you've been very, very generous with your time today. Um, oh, pleasure. So I, I love talking about poetry. Before, before we do that, well, I think it's always interesting to talk about um, kind of other favourites just quickly because it really, over the last couple of years, it really does feel like a bit of a golden age of TV comedy, whether you look at mm. things like Stathlet's Flats, People Just Do Nothing, particular favourites of some of ours uh, also being things like Motherland, What We Do in the Shadows, This Country. Mm. That's just the name mm. of you, like off the top of my head. It feels like there's never been a better time to be watching TV comedy. Mm. For you personally, are there any other big favourites outside of Alan? Like kind of anything recent or kind of classic comedy that's like a, a, a big linchpins for you? Well, I mean, I think, um, sorry, I know I've referenced it before, but this is just causing shockwaves at the moment in comedy. The Bo Burnham special Inside 
that I saw on Netflix. It really, and um, this sounds over-exaggerated, but I think it's probably the best thing I've ever seen. I'm sorry to, to blasphemously say that on this podcast in all places. But one of, the, one of the most amazing things that I absolutely love, and I don't think it was very well critically received, and I don't, uh, unfairly, in my opinion, was uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's, I, 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 was it Who is America or This is America? I can't remember, but it was... Oh, yeah. Did you guys watch I that? I never watched that, actually, because I think the reviews no. were quite mixed, so I just never the got around to it. Was, yeah. uh, the reviews was... And I, I thought that was so unfair because one of my favourite characters in it is a character called Dr. Kane Niren Dillancello or something, and he's um, he's a parody of the, the, the sort of, you know, apolog- apologist, liberal... Um, person who's sort of trying to understand what went wrong uh, when 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 the election was stolen from President Hillary Clinton, he says, and he spends the time like uh, cycling across America to heal the divide. Um, and th- and there's something I just thought there was something so wonderfully deft about that parody of the sort of white person, you know, the privileged white person going. Oh my God, how has this happened? I just can't believe this has happened. And just constantly sort of in that endless, you know, there's something very sort of white centric about it. And I just thought that was so clever. And it's it's rare to see a really good parody of someone on the left or someone who's a liberal. And I think if you can do it well, there's big points to to score um, because it's because that actually requires so much more subtlety than parodying someone on the right but yeah i think sasha baron cohen's mm. a, a genius i wasn't a massive fan of borat too if i'm honest um because i think it, he relies on his characters not being known and i mm. think borat mm. too mm. i mean he did wonderful stuff with um the, like borat's daughter but i almost felt like the film should have just been about borat's daughter with him playing characters around it you know um but i think he's a, i think he's amazing I love watching old Johnny Vegas stand up. I've been rediscovering that recently. Have you guys? Right. I just I thought it's amazing. Just a guy having a breakdown on stage. <laughs> I've never really seen this stand up. Like my my like entry point to Johnny Vegas was just him being on endless panel shows yeah. and being kind of like this this drunken playing this drunken character, whether you're not quite sure whether it's real or not. Yes. And he was the butt of the joke. He was the drunk. He was the he was the jester. He was the you know the town. Uh, drunk or whatever and it was that was kind of the punchline but not really seen much of his stand up it's 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 basically that it's it's a really heightened version of that where you're just like you're like oh my god he hates everyone and he comes on (laughs) and and also i'm just so um i don't drink before i gig because i you know you have to have an unbelievably like you have to be unbelievably quick on your feet and I think it takes a real special talent for someone to be able to be drunk and and perform and be funny. <laughs> and I'm so impressed at how he could smash, by all accounts, probably about 11, 12 pints and then go on. And he, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's just, but that's not even like, that's not fun drinking. That's just like, you know, self-annihilation. Yeah. But um, that's very, very method. Well, it, but, but, but that's what I liked about it because it was so, he pushed it right to the edge. And you're like, wow, mm. this guy really is going to have a breakdown. And that, for me, just made it so much better. I just thought it was so funny. Yeah, another thing, absolutely loved, and that well, they've gone on to do great things to write to this, but Star Stories, uh, which was, of course, written by the, the, the people who went on to write The Windsors, which I also absolutely loved. Um, I just thought it was brilliant. It was just that sort of really unapologetic, broad brush caricatures of people uh and retelling stories unreliably that i just thought was so funny <laughs> and it's something we really need you know we need like a 
I'd love to see a pantomime of 2020. I think that would, it's perfect for that type of thing, you know, because it's so grotesque mm. and vulgar that you could get, and, and, and the characters are so secure. I, yeah, I think there's, I thought that was brilliant, particularly to take that one. That's Kevin Bishop, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It was Channel 4, was it Channel 4? It was Channel yeah. 4, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's, he's so good. And also, and this was the stage I got to with impressions. When you watch that, you realise it's so much funnier to do a bad impression of someone. You know, like than it is to do an accurate one. You know, um, but shall we? Shall we talk about the genius that is Bo Burnham? Please, I would love to. I'd absolutely <laughs> love to. I haven't sharp about it. Yeah, it seems. It seems every day I'm opening Instagram stories or Twitter, and I'm getting different people saying, "Oh my god, you have to watch this." Again, in terms of you know, in a similar way to Partridge, you watch something once and you kind of consume it, and then you watch it a second time, and you're purposefully looking mm. out for other gags or other little things just in the background or whatever. And mm. I just think he's so clever at that. You know, we we're talking about um, Cheeky Monkey and how you've got Cheeky Monkey as a mouthpiece from Bo Burnham to Cheeky Monkey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, like you got Cheeky Monkey as a mouthpiece who's, who's, and you expect him just to say a load of nonsense, but he's saying really credible things about women seeking refuge. When Bo Burnham has that white sock, which of course is taken yeah. from his love yes, of Hans Taywin. Yeah. Um, but the, the white sock, you know, is spouting all this Marxist <laughs> philosophy, which is just so hilarious. And, but, oh, yeah, there's just so many layers and it's so clever. And it, it there's, my, my entry point to him was I watched Make Happy in 2016 mm. and it just it blew my yeah. mind it just absolutely blew my mind sorry in 2018 i watched that and I, from that point i was like oh i just really want to do stand-up i really want to do something like this guy's doing and it won't be as good but i just want to do something and and it just was so amazing and i just learned all the songs and i used to love it i used i thought he was so clever and so his 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 gags were so intelligent and he was just so different and interesting as a voice but but i think you know, for fans of his previous stuff, in Inside is is a is a whole new mm. level. It's 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 just above and beyond. The 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 his targets are so deft. The stuff that he's taking the piss out of is so deft. But the the explanation of his own mental state is amazing, and and it's so musically contained. Like all of the music feeds back into itself and it's I, I, yeah I, I just thought it was it's, so brilliant but I still don't even know what it's about I mean what what do you think it was about for you like what would you well, say here's here's that's here's one. the thing you, you it's quite interesting you've literally just spoken about Johnny Vegas and the fact that like you're looking at someone having a breakdown on stage and mm. is it is it real mm. where, where is the line between reality and the and the person you've created to to, to put into this format that's kind of how I feel about that like where is the line like mm. where does it stop being a person and and start being a performance and are those two the mm. things the same thing is this person genuinely mm. having a breakdown because of the situation that he finds himself in i.e lockdown coronavirus not being able to go outside or is it just you know mm. he's created a character and his character is that he's this version of himself having a breakdown it's impossible to know because he's not going to do any press and he's not going to yeah. talk about it it's not gonna he's not going to be the magician who reveals how he does his trick he's never gonna he's not going to talk about it so it's just up to the audience to work out whether this person is having a breakdown and how truthful that version is that he's projecting yeah. projecting of himself is compared to reality it's 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 mm. And, mm. and i think that's where a lot of great comedy lies is how much of this is an act mm. and you don't know because they never right. explain it and that's right. wonderful right and i think the other thing i thought was great about it is it it's 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 a real mixture of like it's it's hilarious but it's also harrowing and i, and I really mm. like the way there's actually quite a kind of narrative that draws you through so it's almost like there's a first yeah. half which is a bit more 
a bit more joke based and a bit more poking fun at Instagram and this mm. like political mm. state of things in in America. Twitch. And then you've got this second half, which is mm. then a much more kind of personal exploration and becomes a lot darker and is still funny, mm. Mm. but is also quite kind of troubling to watch in places as well. I, I, th- mm. I think it's incredible. Mm. The third time I watched it, you know the bit where he's at, he's analysing himself and then he's analysing himself and he's analysing himself doing the song about being an unpaid intern. Um, That's the Twitch yeah, bit, right? Where he, like, no, the YouTube, yeah, yeah, YouTube yeah. reaction or something like that. YouTube yeah, yeah. Reaction yeah. Bit, yeah. yeah, the YouTube reaction, yeah. And he's like, and I'm, I'm yeah. reacting to my reaction and this is a bit pretentious, but yeah. yeah. And I watched that and I was like, oh man, that's that. This is, sounds quite nerdy, but it, it, it feels very much like Freud's distinction between the ego, the superego, and the id uh, in terms of self-analysis. My girlfriend's a psychologist, and I was like, I swear that's what he's doing. I swear. And, there, and, and actually, if you look through the special, there are lots of references to threes. Um, there, there, a lot of the like cinematography, there's, there's threes. The bit where he's doing the song about dissociation, there's, there's three of him like laid over each other. Um, and, I, and I sort of thought, is it that? Is that is that part of what he's trying to explore? And I don't I don't know what the answer is, but I just thought that was particularly interesting. But he also looks very like Christ, right? And there's some, the, the the like the, the the three images of himself is very like Christian mythology as well. Like well, I can't um, remember you know, which. And a, yeah, and I can't remember which song it is, but one of them ends with him sort of projected onto a cross, right? Yes. So yeah, 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 yeah the, prob- the problematic yeah. one. Oh yeah. yes, that's it. Yeah, 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 that's it. But yeah, I mean, if if, yeah. if for listeners who aren't familiar with Bo's work, we'll we'll put um some trailers in the in the show notes. But I urge you to go and watch. Um, I think he's got a, he's got what and uh, and um yeah. make happy on 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 Netflix, which yeah. are you know I I think. I I discovered him through a video on YouTube and then was like, oh, this guy's got specials on on Netflix. I'll check them out. But I'd also say it's like I think Inside is so good and it like I've seen people calling it a masterpiece and I'm not disagreeing because I mm. think it's kind of mm. he's set a new benchmark with what his type of comedy does. But I'd almost yeah. recommend to people don't start with that because I think you need to see what a normal yeah. Bo Burnham show is like to appreciate yes. how Inside works because like you say, it's yes. not it's not stand up as you would traditionally think it's borderline musical theater but it's not musical theater at the same time it's there are so many mm. things going on in it i think it's absolutely brilliant you're so invested in him i think that's what it is he does a, a really good amount of self-awareness at the top like talking about how unbelievably needless comedy is and how stupid and how he's white and doesn't need to be talking about something which means that you really buy into him um so i think that helps but yeah he's just excellent the music is so good as well. It's so well worked. Um, it's just better than just, yeah, I haven't seen a special that good ever. It's depressing. It actually made me feel a bit depressed because I was so stifled by how excellent it was. I was just like, what is the point? So with that in mind, what's next for you, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm What are the projects you've got coming up I'm that you can tell us about? Tour, but it's probably just going to be shit compared to both. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't worry about coming to that. Uh, no, I am. Yeah, I'm going on tour uh, through the the autumn. I'm going to put that on sale soon. Um, I'm also uh, working on a book, which has been fun, uh, oh. which again hasn't been announced yet. But I, you know what? I'm feeling in a generous announcement mood, and I want I want <laughs> to sort of speak these projects into existence. And if I keep hiding them, 
it's just it's just it's just me performing to myself like Bo Burnham is doing. So uh, yeah, that's that. Those two things are happening. Okay, so that that's a tour in the autumn, and is the book this year? I hope year? so. Yeah, I'm I'm working my, my my nuts off. It's Rafe's Rafe's memoir of 2020. Amazing. Ah, uh, oh, great. So yeah, it's been a lot of research, a lot of work, but I am really hoping that that will be out by Christmas. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> thanks for having me, Thomas. Yeah, thank thank you so much, it's Josh. Yeah, it's been amazing. Thank you so uh, much for you. taking the time to talk about you know our favourite subject. I mean, it, it but bloody well should be. We've done 119 episodes, so. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate My it. Pleasure. I am hopping mad, and I want something in the middle. Aha! Yup, absolutely. Yup, 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 absolutely. Monkey tennis. Bring, bring. There's a new chat in town. I had the last laugh. Dan. Monkey tennis. Little pierce my foot on his thigh. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. No. Monkey tennis. Radical. Awesome. Mega. Monkey tennis. Where's my assistant? I do not know. Okay. Monkey tennis. Edmonds is a total wasp of a guy. Yes, 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 and yes. It's hotter than the sun. They said, who the hell is that? Like, this is great banter. Yeah. Back of the net. Monkey tennis. The people who enjoy Alan Partridge will enjoy this podcast. The people who've never got it still won't get it. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.